All right. I'm just listening to a lovely organisation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm just being uh, heckled. Yeah. Heckled by my wife again. Um, right. That was too quick. Wasn't ready for it. Let's try again. Do 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 Hi, and welcome to Alpha Podflight. <laughs> the Alpha Flight podcast where every episode I'm joined by a guest and we talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I am rejoined by Ken. Ken, can you introduce yourself to the listeners who haven't heard you before? Sure, everyone knows me by now. I would have hoped I'm, so. <laughs> I'm Ken Reynolds. I'm the writer and creator of the supernatural adventure comic Cognition. I also edit the experimental comic anthology Slice Quarterly, and I do lots of lettering and things for other people. And you make your own comics as well. Let's not forget, you draw and write and publish your own comics. Oh, yes, I do. I've got, oh, yeah, the, the one thing that's actually currently active. Yeah, I should probably mention that. <laughs> I, draw, I, I write and draw a comic about pregnancy in the end of the world called In Trouble, which has just started up again as a webcomic. There you go. And uh, your daily comics about being a designer and stuff. Oh, yeah, but they're really old. They're, they're, they're years old. I just started posting them again. I like them, though. Uh, they could... Yeah, I like them. That's why I keep reposting them. And they are in print form now as well, but that's about as successful as, well, a not very successful thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently if you give away the content for free, no one wants it on paper. <laughs> well, because some webcomics do that, and they're really super successful. Yeah, um... I, I need to ask about that. Oh, I don't know. The secrets of being popular. I've, I just wish I knew what they were. Apparently being yeah. friendly isn't enough. Maybe I should just be a proper bastard. Maybe that'll make me popular. Well, that works for some people too. I don't think there's one way of doing it. It works in Mean Girls, so... If you want to live your life according to that film, Gareth, I, I'm here to support you. <laughs> I am too gay to function. Um... <laughs> And there's the editable clip. If someone wants to take that and make like a ringtone or anything like that. But then their ringtone would be... You saying you're too gay to function. Yeah, I'm happy it, with that. It'd be their phone saying... Uh, anyway. <laughs> We're not here to talk about being popular. We're here to talk about reading Alpha Flight comics. Um... <laughs> the irony of talking about being popular on an Alpha Flight podcast. Um, I will say... I got some very approving looks while I was reading Alpha Flight on the Train today. But that's mostly because I was letting people sit down instead of me. Um, <laughs> we are here to talk about Alpha Flight number two. It came out in... Oh, God, I'm reading it in trade, so I haven't got the date. Uh, 1983. Um, it's dated September. On the Flight. Go on, what's it? Alpha Flight 1 is one of my... It's one of your favourite... It's my birth month comic, Alpha Flight. Oh, is it? I do that thing. Yeah. Oh, hello. You cut out a little bit. Sorry, what was that you said about your birth month comic? Yeah, I thought Alpha Flight, or I was under the impression that Alpha Flight 1 was, um, if not actually on the cover, said May 83, that it was on the shelf on May 83, because 
there's always a bit of debate about whether it's the comics that are actually on the shelves or the date that it's actually on the cover because they're about two or three months in front or behind, aren't they? Yes, so I think it's uh, actually I'm not sure it might be three months ahead, but um, the the date that says on the cover is August, but that's the month that they should take off the shelf. So right, I think, that would It might have been May. Yeah. So there we go. I haven't actually started buying old comics from my birth month yet, but I know some of them for that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. But um, I do know that it must be May because in May they are doing like a prestige reprint of Alpha Flight Number One. Really? Yeah. Which um, hopefully means that they're going to do something else with the characters because uh, they're in Immortal Hulk at the moment, which is really good, and they're being handled really well. So um. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about Alpha Flight number one or Immortal Hulk. Uh, we're here to talk about Alpha Flight number two, which came out in September. No, it didn't. It got taken off the shelf in September of, <laughs> of 1983. Um, the it's called it's called Shadows. Of the, uh, no, sorry, there's two parts to it. The first part is called Shadows of the Past, and it is by John Byrne doing story and art, Tom Orszagowski doing letters. Andy Yankus doing the colours. Denny O'Neill is the editor and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And then there's a second part, which is called uh, In the Beginning or something. It is called In the Beginning. Jesus wept. I got it right. Um, <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. The cut's your superior knowledge. Yeah, no, I'm genuinely shocked by myself. Um, we also... Uh, so what we'll do is the normal thing where uh, you can go through the comic and then we'll say what we like and don't like about it. Uh, and also, I think you're the first person that we... Yeah, you were the first ever Alpha Flight guest. Um, other than the test I did with Bill. Um, to be fair, I was promised a Bill and Martha appearance tonight and uh, I'm quite... Well, sorry, sorry, but I'm a bit disappointed, you know. I'm not. Um the... <laughs> Um, I don't know if you've heard Bill's recent episodes, but he hasn't got any enthusiasm for, for it whatsoever. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, yeah, so you're the first one, and I was like, right, Ken, we're going to be really strict about the format. This podcast is going to take 20 minutes. Shut the Go hell well up. So far. <laughs> uh, and, and then the next person, uh, who might have been Tony, actually, Tony Esmond, he took bloody ages. Um, yeah, So... Um, uh, first of all, I apologise for cutting you off and being no, so rigorous. I uh, don't remember being that short. We were around for a good 40 minutes, it I was, think. It was 40 minutes, yeah, but I was like, mm. oh, this is too long. Oh, 40 <laughs> minutes is too long. Uh, well, I'm surprised I got an invite back then. <laughs> no, 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 because um, it, it turns out an, an hour is about how long it takes to talk about a single issue of the Comic Alpha Flight uh, and whatever random... I was going to say, that's debatable how much of that is actually about the comic... <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the comic now because we're going to be serious. And okay, strict about format. Serious faces. Yeah. Um, it's all about format. Let's talk. Let's. So yeah, you. Uh, what happens in Shadows <clears throat> over the past? Okay, the issue opens on Vindicator. He's seemingly being attacked, but then we find out that it's all sort of an out-flight war game or training mission session, and they're all just sort of testing each other's powers and limits. And it's actually quite a clever way of introducing the team and sort of showing how their powers stack up against one another, what their strengths and weaknesses and things are. Um, 
And then Marina has a bit of a funny turn. Yeah. And she lashes out, like all good dysfunctional families, at the weakest member, Puck. He's not the weakest member. Okay, we'll come <laughs> to this is. in a bit, I'm sure. <laughs> and she escapes into the water where the team can't properly track or chase after her. Yep. Uh, they take Puck to hospital where Shaman treats him and then Snowbird bunks off work when her Canadian spirit sense starts tingling. Yep. Uh, Vindicator fills in Marina's origin story. So there was a storm at sea. A fisherman retrieved an egg from the bottom of the sea and raised it as his own, like you do. Yeah. Uh, and then Marina swims to the icy North Seas, drawn there by something that she doesn't understand. And then she enters some big icy industrial complex and gets called by a psychic link to finally meet the master. The master. The douchebag of the world. And then there's a sheet, uh, sheet, a short at the end about how Vindicator built his suit and how he's the Canadian Iron Man. Yeah, that's it. I hadn't factored in him being the Canadian Iron Man, but I suppose he is, isn't he? Um, he's definitely the Canadian Iron Man. He's, he's got all of the smarts without any of the bravado or flashiness. Um, <laughs> he hasn't got the drink problem, or if he has, he's been very Canadian about it and not really telling anyone about it or letting it affect his life. No, I think the worst he gets is a shaving problem. He lets his stubble yeah. get a bit a bit yeah. wild at one point. Which, which I would imagine got a load of Canadian people clutching at their pearls in shop. You know? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I don't know how heavy to go on the Canadian stuff. You you always tell me before we start recording that I can go really heavy on the xenophobia because you're not allowed to do it as the host. But I, I felt a bit uncomfortable with it last time. So um, um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did give you those cue cards with uh, yeah. after which words you should start. You should say A. Yeah, and then there's some disgusting stuff about poutine that I can't bring myself to say. Um, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, you've said that it, um, James Hudson is like the Canadian Iron Man, but also in the same comic, he uh, Shaman calls him the Canadian Captain America. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because one of my notes that I made is he is more the Canadian Iron Man than the Captain America. Easily, it's just. I guess it's more because of the techno technological stuff rather mm. than. But then again, here's a, here's a weird cross because isn't Vindicator sort of the Canadian symbol, like Captain America is the American symbol? Yeah, so because he's got the maple leaf on, and he's supposed to be like the the He's Canada's superhero. Yeah, and that's the idea. Um, but and he's so he's like Captain America in that he has previously when he got the job he was employed by the canadian government um to be as a symbol so he's like captain america he's like iron man in that he makes his own stuff but he's not like iron man in that he's not a billionaire and he's doing it for laughs yeah um he's doing it out of just he's proper canadian like he doesn't even really want to be a superhero but he's been told no. that he should be so he's like he's too polite to say that he doesn't want to be a superhero but it gets into the the short gets into some interesting stuff about um how he treats his technology and his sort of advantages stuff that well we'll get to that in a bit uh yeah okay so uh, we'll, we'll we'll treat them 
as two separate bits, and then if there's any other crossovers, we'll come to. Them. I don't think there are any other no, these crossovers. It's only, what is it? Five pages? Yes, yeah, five pages. It's yeah. not very long. Um, okay, so but not a lot happens in this issue. Let's be fair. Um, no, no, it's all set up. It's all exposition and set up, really. Yeah. Like I said, the early stuff with the training mission and everything is very much let, let's meet the team and explain what all their special skills are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And it, it's a big um, who can beat up who, really, isn't it? Yeah. Which comics people love. <laughs> there is a bit of that. and But also, it's, I mean, this starting fight, uh, it's four pages. Uh, well, no, it's three pages, really, because the first page is just one big splash of yeah. Vindicator in the air. And, and we should also say that he's Vindicator at this point, not Guardian. So this is the issue where he first mentions that he's going to call himself Guardian, but at the moment he's Vindicator. Um, yeah. But what's quite neat about this fight is that it, as well as showing like their powers, it also shows their characters, uh, or, or at least small amounts of their characters, so um, Northstar and Aurora do their like super speed bits and um, are a bit cheeky with it. And then Sasquatch, he is like careless and playful and is having a lovely time. He's like this big cheerful monster, um, which he was. But then, I mean, later on, he chases after Puck and needs to be calmed down somehow by Aurora. So we see that sort of dichotomy. Um Puck doesn't actually do any fighting, but he has a bit of a, a laugh at Sasquatch's expense. Um, yeah, so, so Puck does nothing apart from like give witty quips. He he is the mascot of Alpha Flight. He's oh no, he's not the mascot of Alpha Flight. <laughs> he he very much says that he doesn't need. He came to the training exercise not because he he, he didn't need any training. So Puck is very confident in his his abilities. I mean, the so evidence... Puck's superpower is overconfidence. Okay. In a uh, in a way, yeah. Like one of those horrible, arrogant people that have absolutely no skills to back up their self sense of self importance. Ken, come on, Puck has lots of (laughs) skills. He gets beaten up a lot, but before he joined Alpha Flight, he had a very storied life. Um, He's like Rocky. He can take he can take his licks and keep getting back up. That's about it, though. He's like Batman, in that he's entirely self taught. He's got a lot of charisma. He is the best Alphan. Um, he's compassionate, he's skillful, and he's experienced, whereas none of the rest of them are. So th- this fight shows that none of them have any experience at fighting, which is why Puck... Uh, I mean, he does get gutted, uh, literally <laughs> gutted, uh, but that's because he's showing compassion, which is what none of the other characters show. Um not, uh, not really. Um, um, I mean, it's interesting what you said about uh, showing off their, their characters as much as their powers. But don't you think successful superheroes' powers are derived from their character? That's interesting. Uh, I mean, you take Captain America, for example. You, yes, he is super strong. Yes, he is super fast and all that. He's the ultimate soldier, but... You would say his superpower is his sense of duty and and his morality, wouldn't you? Maybe. Or it's what defines him. It's how he uses his abilities yeah. that is definitive of his character. Yeah, I, I can see that argument. 
Uh, I'd not thought of it before. So I'm scrabbling for <laughs> other examples. No, I'm, I'm scrabbling for other examples. Um, but I mean, I Batman is completely... Um, his powers are completely derivative of his, of his character, of the, yeah. the, of the whole emo mopey. An obsessive personality. Yeah. Who misses the big picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that. Uh, who else is successful? Well, because there's two parts to it, isn't it? Like, I can see that the powers are a reflection of the character, or maybe hand. So if you think of someone like Spider Man, um, like their success as a character is because of the personality of the character and not because of their powers. Like Spider-Man sometimes gets made out to be as strong as other characters, but really he's one of the weaker superheroes in terms of how strong he is, but he's successful because of his personality, isn't he? Yeah. But Spider-Man is the ultimate, um, ultimate is the ultimate um, argument for what we're trying to say. It's, it's not specifically about what the superpower is. It is, how the character or how the person, the personality uses those advantages mm. that defines them as a superhero. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's with great power comes great responsibility. It's, it's his sense of right and wrong of, and how to use the advantages they've got. Yeah. Otherwise, and then all that changes between each superhero is what the actual power is, but it all comes back down to how they choose to use it and their personality and how they use it. So with Spider-Man, you've got his sort of sense of humor and the quippiness. And, but underneath all of that, it's still what's right and what's wrong and protecting people that don't have his advantages. And... Yeah. I have to think about this in terms of alpha flight. Um, but no, because alpha flight, in some of the characters are different, uh, and uh, it's not in this issue, it's in the previous issue, but North Star and Aurora have the same power. They're both, uh, at, like, they can travel near to the speed of light, like, not enough to time travel, but they're supposed to be the fastest characters in the Marvel Universe, or at least that's how they were, hmm. they were created. Um, but they use their powers, or their, their characters are very different. So North Star is a selfish, arrogant prick, and Aurora... Is is when she uh, her powers manifest is um, sort of this sensual playful character, um, which support it doesn't that just support the point I'm making? It's a superpower. A superhero is not defined by what their power is, but by their personality. Yeah. Their so in in that respect, Puck is the best Alpha Flight character. <laughs> I think you, you just realise that I'm saying this just to wind you up. Then. <laughs> Congratulations, you have been <laughs> muted for the rest of this podcast. I have many opinions. I am going to give them now. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes, it, Puck is is very good because he is the reader within Alpha Flight. Do you know what I mean? He he takes the viewpoint of the reader, which is we can all be superheroes if we're just good people sort of thing. And we can get beat no, up without dying. No, that's, <laughs> I mean, that could be part of it. The other, um, Puck is also a superhero in the face of adversity. So um, he, as a character, is not explicit in this issue, but it is in others, that he's in constant pain because of his, because of his dwarfism um, and the effect that has on his body. And yet he's still... Is compassion. He's he still enjoys a scrap. 
he's still he's still a fully rounded able superhero despite the adversity he faces um and that's that's where uh puck's um real power lies i think because um, I mean, he gets gutted here in three issues' time. He's still, he's beaten up drug dealers all by himself, even with his stitches in. So, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, what else do we see? So, Shaman gets called. Uh, some doctors are talking about how weird it is that Shaman's practicing medicine again. Oh no, sorry, Doctor Two. No, we skipped ahead there. I don't. I think we missed the cover as well. We did miss the very melodramatic cover. Well, it's a narrative cover, which yeah. you don't really see. Like, it's got speech bubbles, and it basically tells the whole story of the issue. You, you don't really, because it's quite a light issue, you don't, you don't really have to read it. You just look at the cover. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Um, and I love covers like this, um, where if you look at that, you know what the comic's about, right? Whereas, I mean, yeah. co- covers nowadays are often, like, design-wise and image-wise spectacular, but... You don't often have an idea of what's going on in the actual comic. And um, I love it. There's a bit of a spot North Star going on. It's a bit Where's Wally. He's such an afterthought <laughs> in the composition. Yeah, and Aurora is as well. Um, but, yeah. Um, and they don't even get put in the little um, credit. He doesn't even get put in the credit box. No. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, so the cover, it's got, it, it, it's a satisfying shape though, the way that the uh, the shapes build on each other and the way that it's been coloured yeah, to create he, layers. You tell how much he loves Sasquatch though, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. just likes drawing Sasquatch. Well, I'm going to get to that again in a minute because two examples of the art in the early pages are completely Sasquatch related, mm. which is another thing you don't see very much is movement within a single panel. Yeah. Where they've double drawn it, I think it's page two where mm-hmm. sasquatch is throwing vindicator yeah and i really like that I, I i don't think it's easy to do now successfully i think I, have i seen it lately I'm trying to think of i have seen it lately uh, i haven't oh, i mean this is me not reading comics very often but i haven't i haven't seen it recently i think uh i think they did it with puck in when i read him in champions but um I think no Tom it is batman has done it but it's more like a character traveling across a page spread mm. rather than like a really tiny movement overlapping if you know what i mean yeah um but no i quite like it it suits this i see i guess it might be a product of its time but it really does suit it it's mm. it, it does give the panel some sort of dynamism you know exactly what's going on it doesn't look weird which when you try and describe what it is it i mean it's basically cubism isn't it <laughs> <laughs> And then a couple of pages down the line, you have a dripping wet Sasquatch, which yeah. he just loved doing that. It's, it's just a, an, an oddly, I wouldn't say graphic, but it's just a really dominating image. Yeah, it's the biggest. It's the biggest panel on the page, and it does the it does the least narratively, other than yeah. show a wet Sasquatch. He, he just wanted to draw a wet Sasquatch, which yeah. sounds disgusting when you say that. <laughs> Sounds a bit like a weird sex move. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yes, and uh, yeah, I've said before, I think he really enjoys working with Sasquatch as a character as well. And I mean, he is Sasquatch. I've tried to draw him like 
numerous times and there's something about him which is difficult to get right and there's a handful of artists I think who can get Sasquatch right um, even when he appears in Immortal Hulk recently it's it's a very different Sasquatch to the one that yeah. Byrne designed um, is the, I think the trick is probably carrying on the anatomy and muscles under where the hair hangs yeah <laughs> excuse me he does it very subtly with his sort of um with his lines mm. very like, especially around the feet you can sort of still see the shape of calves and things through the hair is yeah. yeah it's interesting we talk about drawing now um because this uh, there's lots of instances uh, when i started this podcast i'd started it to talk about how it was a comic made by a person who was making a decent comic despite the fact that he didn't want to huh. And I think this this particular issue is the most of that concept because there's just something about it which just seems quite dashed off. Like there's an instance where so uh, I've got the page numbers in front of me, but um, Shaman and um, Vindicator are talking, and James are talking to each other. He's got his helmet off, but um, the shadows, one of the shadows is covering up James's eye. Oh yeah, I think I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that's not a shadow. The light source for that, the shadow in his eye, doesn't exist anywhere else. It looks like there was a mistake, and he just decided to fill in that gap and move on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, look, I it looks a that. bit like an eye patch because it's so so out yeah, of place that shadow. Um, and there's a few other instances. So the bit where um, like he uses tricks to get away with not doing as much drawing as he might have to. So the the bit where North Star and Aurora crisscross over Guardian, and that panel is just essentially two big lines, uh, two I'll big bring up sections. As much of Vindicator as he possibly could. <laughs> yeah, let's not worry about those pesky body and legs and feet. Yeah, let's just yeah. let's just cover it all up as quickly as possible. Um, and I mean, a... I'm totally on board. Like I said I, earlier, I've, I've started trying to make a page a week for a webcomic, mm. and I'm starting to, this is starting to sound like really appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> huh. um, but it's just Burn doing the most with the least he can. Um, There's a charm to it, though, isn't there? there? There is, but this particular issue feels the most dashed off to me. I think he warms to the character's as he works on them but i don't there's just something about this which just feels hurried i mean there's, yeah there's there's very little background very uh, little. i mean even for our i mean yeah that's john Byrne all over but um so i mean this bit with um aurora when she sat at her desk and she's like oh god my new boss hates me uh what should i do like a massive everything you realize that we skipped over the main point of the issue. What about uh, Puck getting gutted yeah. and Marina diving in the water? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm skipping back and forwards. Um, the colour on when Marina guts him is fabulous. Yes. Where so okay, let, let's rewind a second and say what explicitly what happens here because I keep jumping past it. Um, <laughs> So Marina has a bit of a turn. They're, they're, they're all having fun and games. Sasquatch tries to chase after Puck and, 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 and brain him. Sort mm-hmm. of wish he'd caught him. Um, and Marina starts feeling a bit funny. And Puck goes up to her 
and asks if there's anything wrong. He calls her babe, which is douche. Um, <laughs> and there's thought bubbles and stuff. I love thought bubbles. I still love thought bubbles. Yeah. Miss them a bit. Um, what does he say? I thought there was something fishy about this chick. Yeah. Har, har, har. Yeah. Um, and then which, she just I mean, turned... that, that's actually clever because she's a fish that came out of an egg. <laughs> Isn't she? So she is a fishy chick. Yes, yes, Gareth. Yes, she is. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's Sorry, rapier-like Gareth. wit almost went past me. I'm yeah. so glad you explained it to me. <laughs> he calls her babe twice in two panels. Seriously. Yeah. There is a page turn, but he does call her babe twice in two panels. That's not good. That's uh, anyway. And she, she turns says, around. She says, "Please don't touch me," and then he goes ahead and does it anyway. So, but this yeah, is 1983. So... Things like this were allowed back then. Yeah. So he got what he was coming to him. Really. She turns around and basically slashes her. I mean. She doesn't look like she's got claws. She's got webbed hands. I don't see how sharp they are, but, well, she turns around and basically disembowels him. Mm. And the colours in that panel are really good because the outline of Puck's body is just pure red. Mm-hmm. And it's such a simple trick that totally makes the page. And then you've got a nice line of character reactions. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> but, I mean, open mouths. they're good, but uh, they've all got open mouths, but they're all registering different types of shock. Do you know what I mean? Uh, North Star just looks a bit bored. But but he's like, um, Aurora looks shocked, whereas um, Sasquatch looks outraged. Do you know, there's there's variations in in the looks on their faces which stick to their personalities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then Marina jumps away and swims very fast and they soon discover that they can't catch her because she can swim faster than apparently marina can swim faster than the fastest traveling superheroes in the world can fly yeah i think the point that got lost because uh where's he say um the moment she hit the water she was doing over 900 knots this is what uh, vindicator says when uh aurora and north star come back um, and it says she would have been ki- a dozen kilometres away before we even moved. I think the idea there is that she could have gone anywhere in the ocean and they wouldn't be able to yeah. find her. Um, but yeah, so but she can she can swim well fast. That's like one of her things. Um, we they, uh, North Star and Aurora do do a trick to try and find her quickly, uh, which is another one of those uh, things I was talking about earlier, like doing as much with as little. So they sort of sonic boom along the ocean which causes the the waters to part which is represented by just like a few abstract shapes yeah um i think if you took the uh the captions off that panel you'd have no idea what was going on oh no but you can play that okay uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't sort of Mr. Abstract Comic. Yeah, you, you don't you don't want to sort of shoot that as a criticism. <laughs> what? No, I'm I'm allowed to use it as a criticism because I know exactly what it's like. Um, um, but uh, anyway, so they scoop puck up and put them in the Alpha Mobile or whatever it is. 
Oh, what's it called? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's stupid with a big A on the bottom. It's so stupid. No, it's an it's A. It's a very. It's it's an over design oh, logo. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's but, actually quite good. That's nearly as good as the FedEx logo, you know. It is, except that really it says FA. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Should have reversed those colours. Um, so yeah, and the, I think it's called the Omnijet. It's a unique craft. It's uniquely poorly designed, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, and then they go to the hospital, and there is some wonderful panels of properly 80s trousers. And um, a very really notable crotch in, shot. Like, yeah, really weird crotch shot. Mm. Um, where I think that's uh, Walt running towards us in his blue trousers. And really, a really, really panel awesome. before that is so odd. It's just floating figures on a blank mm. background. It's just really, I don't even know what that's supposed to be doing, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. I didn't want to draw <laughs> John the background. Didn't want to, yeah, John yeah. didn't want to draw it, so I'm just going to put a bright colour in and make it look like we, we, we I, meant to I do couldn't, it. I couldn't remember what a walk cooler looked like, mm. so I didn't draw one. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do. That's it's a very John Byrne panel. You get them all over the place. And and um, I would I would like to take issue with the caption that said um, Shaman is still the hottest cutter in the country. <laughs> <laughs> How is that's the oddest way to describe a surgeon? If someone came to you and your life was in danger, and someone leaned over and said, "Don't worry, he's the hottest cutter in the country," would you really want that dude with your life in his hands? Or yeah, so you're in hospital, you're having your pre-op, and then the surgeon comes in and goes, "Don't worry, I'm a hot cutter." You're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, yeah, away from me. I really yeah. don't want anywhere near me. But I suppose maybe surgeons talk to each other like that. I uh, hope not. <laughs> I'm just glad that if they do, I'm just glad that they knock me out, really, because. Oh. Um. Yeah. So. It's. Yeah. So. Uh, so what happens is that um, Puck gets put into hospital. Uh, Doctor Two Young Men, who is shaman, uh, puts his hair in pigtails and does some surgery on him, and then they run off to find Marina. I mean, those um, pigtails can't be hygienic either. I think it's more hygienic than his luscious. I mean, more, but still, you, you'd want that. You'd have thought, I don't know, that they're not going to fit under the cap, are they? No. No. We don't actually see him operate, so it's just speculation. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and th- and then we get to the scene where Anne is sat in her office in the district of Mackenzie. Uh, Northwest Territory, I think that's what NWT stands for, uh, and, but she's lamenting the fact that her new boss hates her um, and then at the slightest provocation so <laughs> she sat at her desk saying my boss really hates me, desperately wants to sack me and then in the panel before um, Shaman says good luck my friends, may the great spirit go with you and then four panels later Anne shouts, sh- uh, thinks sorry he has invoked the name of the great spirit. And I think <laughs> Sharma just saying good luck was enough for her to go, I'm out, I've got yeah. to go. Well, we've uh, all had jobs where we're just looking for excuses to bail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, was it, yeah. Was, this came, I think last time we spoke about it, we were talking about how her bosses were basically arresting her for being <laughs> late and running away and stuff and how yeah. much of an overreaction it seemed. But to be fair, he might have had a point. Yeah, because, I mean, she's supposed to be a clerk in the Canadian military and she keeps disappearing off the base without 
explain where she's going. So she could be a, a Canadian, an American spy, the worst kind of spy for the Canadians, yeah. or Russian, because uh, I'm sure at some point Vindicator makes a thing like if uh, oh no, it's Gary Cody, which in a bit. Have we got to the bit yet where Gary Cody says about her? No. Have we glossed past that? Is, is Gary Cody in this? Oh, it's the it's after she flees. He's in the Omni Jet, isn't he? Yes, he's he on the little screen. The Let me know. There could be serious diplomatic repercussions if she invades Soviet waters. If she goes, yes, that's right. So I didn't imagine that. That's good. Um, but they're talking but yes. about Marina, aren't they? They're talking about Marina, yeah. So if she, like, I have crossed characters here. I'm being, my brain is very disorganised. I apologise. <laughs> um, so Snowbird flies out the window. Her bosses walk in. Um, uh, what's his face? The the balding guy whose name I can't remember. Who she eventually marries? Really? Um, really? Yeah. Wow. She has a, I mean, it gets pretty messy. I won't go into it. Uh, Bill Mantler takes over and ruins their lives. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the new boss, whatever his name is, says, I'm going to get her arrested till we find out what her secret is. Because he hasn't been told that she is a superhero called Snowbird. Does everyone else know, though? Uh, no, nobody else. No. It's a secret. Um, I'm not sure why she's been given a secret identity. Doesn't seem mm-hmm. necessary. Um, because when she's she... Snowbird, she is really weird. She talks about some weird stuff. You, you would not get much work done if Snowbird was sat at the office <laughs> talking about great spirits and all that crap. I mean, but I mean, she she's like a god. What does she need a secret identity for? Because all she's doing is clerical work. She's she could just go and and sit. You know how, and... you know how Tarantino says Clark Kent is like Superman's critique on the human race. Maybe maybe Snowbird <laughs> job is a critique of Canadians. Possibly. <laughs> really unassuming. Got the power of a god, but decides to be really unassuming and clerical. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, the last we see of Snowbird in this issue is. Uh, frankly, an unnecessary angle of her Is ass. that it? You don't see her anymore after this. She basically does one, and then that's it. Is is a total yeah. irrelevance to the rest of it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And just an excuse for her, her boss to be mad a couple of issues later, then, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's proper like uh, was it C plot? So is this C plot or B plot? So and then we go into a big old briefing of about Marina, don't mm-hmm. we? Oh, we get her and, backstory, yeah. I mean, there's some really odd stuff. It's a small fishing trawler. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a really thrifty fishing trawler who's out in a storm and going on about insurance or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, we have to be out here because um, can't possibly not be out here, even though it's, yeah, was it my insurance will not cover me for this mad trip? It's like, well, yeah. why are you out there? Because uh, he's desperate, isn't he? He uh, no business being out the night in one of the worst storms to hit the Atlantic coast in more than a generation, and the captain knew it. But he is desperate to catch some fish, I guess. Uh, well, he did catch a fish. He he caught the most beautiful fish possible. Um, I ha- I will take issue with that in a couple of pages' time because I would like to point out the absolute worst rendering in this entire book. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, <laughs> So the fisherman 
goes overboard, the ship the ship sinks, he goes to the bottom and he finds a glowing egg and he takes No the ship the ship doesn't sink. Oh the ship doesn't sink, he just goes over. That's right. He gets he gets trapped in the nets uh, and then sinks with the with the weights of the nets until he happens to land on top of an egg. There we go. And then, and then he grabs rest- that and that, that floats him up to the surface. Yeah. And then it cuts to his home where he's recovering, like all fishermen do, with a steaming hot mug of tea, a blanket wrapped around him, and his feet in a massive bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and a massive fish egg on the table. <laughs> which turns uh, out to be Marina. Which And then his wife, I'm guessing, digs into the egg at some point. So she, and, crack, she cracks the egg, yeah, doesn't she? she? Does, doesn't she? Yeah, she says it's trying to get out, but it looks like she's just gone for it. To tell the truth, <laughs> and then the absolute worst drawing in this issue is panel four, which is Marina as a baby. The trouble is, her head is exactly the same as her adult, <laughs> just on a baby body. And the only thing that sort of defines it as a baby body is that it's wearing a nappy. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> it's um. <laughs> It is, it is weird. Weird. <laughs> really yeah. Weird. But that's not as weird as it gets because the, the fisherman's son, is it this issue or another one, but the fisherman's son has an unnatural attraction to Marina. That's, that's another issue, yeah. Yeah, who is not only a fish lady, but his sort sister. of his sister. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, there's a brilliant caption in this on, on this page. Um, so they're, they're bringing up uh, a sort of a girl who looks like a fish, presumably smells a bit like a fish, who came out of an egg. <laughs> and it says, in a closed, frequently inbred community like that, <laughs> freaks and sports are not uncommon. The locals accepted her. <laughs> frequently inbred community. I hadn't actually picked up on that. It's weird that I just accepted that. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. I thought he liked Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he, well, yeah, he must do. But, um, they're inbreds. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, and then we find out that on her 16th birthday or something, in her 16th year, she, it turns out that she's really good at swimming. I mean, how did it take 16 years for the, for them to discover the fish woman could swim really well? Puberty, mate. Classic. <laughs> Did, did she never have a bath or anything? I mean, I mean, as a baby with those well, wet hands, says, you'd have thought she'd have gone round quite. Um, Within a year, she was very much like a normal child, apart from she was green, had webbed hands and massive eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, so in her 16th year, she proves that she's well good at swimming. And then by the time she's 18, she's been inducted into Alpha Flight. Um... Uh, Walt says, um, "So you pr- so you just like took a random teenager and put her in your superhero thing? Did you not like do any psycho- check, psychological checks?" And he's like, "Yep, she's as well adjusted as any of you," <laughs> which <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say uh, much really. No, it doesn't. She's as well, she's as well adjusted as any of you, and she was brought up in an inbred community. <laughs> I mean, how inbred have they got to be? That the green fish woman was accepted without question. Well, and also, so it says, he said, his actual line is, um, Marina was as thoroughly checked out as any of you, and she passed with flying colours. Guardian, in the next issue, 
says, I knew that Aurora was mentally ill when I allowed her on the team. <laughs> um, there seems to be some bureaucratic loopholes here. He may have been doing checks, but I'm not sure he was doing due diligence. No, maybe not. Um, to be fair, how many superheroes does Canada really have? Well, um, according to issue one, it's got uh, one. Enough for a beta <laughs> <literally, team. laughs> Yeah, it's, it's got enough for a, a, the alpha team, a beta team, and then like a gamma. They who are like Wolverine the, out. Yeah. The newbies. Um, uh, well, Wolverine was part of Alpha, or he was part of the original Department H, but left to join the X-Men because he was sick of hanging around with Canadians. Um, yeah, and then at the end of this bit, uh, Marina swims through the oceans, gets to the, the chilly waters of the far north, and then goes into like weird tunnel under the in the ice, and then comes across... Which, actually, considering it's... He must have sort of taken a liking to this because the ice in the cave and everything is really quite nicely rendered. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And there's a nice mix also of the ice being rendered and also he like builds in metal to it, which is similar but yeah. different enough and it sort of meshes the two together. It is, yeah, you're right, it's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, and then she meets the master who just sits in his throne and says, yeah, I'm the master. Bit mysterious, isn't he? Um, he, I'm trying to think who else, he's, he's supposed to be like, I don't the master of the world, he's, we find out in the next issue that he was a caveman who was, uh, like, taken over, taken over by a, um, spaceship, uh, and now thinks he's better than everybody, even though he's provably not better than anybody. Sounds like Twitter. Sorry? Sounds like Twitter. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the master, would, the master of the world, would do very well on Twitter in certain circles. <laughs> and that's the end. Uh, that's like the end. Like, in a way, it's it's just um, it's all set up, isn't it? Really, it's it's mm. all exposition and set up. I, I don't think you'd get away with that as a comic book now. It'd absolutely get ripped shreds. I think. Yeah. Do you think it's sort of taking advantage that it's so early in the run and it's just sort of like we've got to get all this out of the way before we get to the good stuff i i think that so my take on on this particular issue is that it was burned just delivering something just getting it out of the way uh and not not putting his heart into it and i think I i think with later issues he warms to it accidentally and and stuff works itself out uh sort of without his not without his knowledge but it's not a conscious effort to make something good it just sort of happens whereas this he's planting he's planting good seeds though isn't he he is yeah but he's not uh yeah there's not enough here as a comic for, for this to be a good comic he's just getting ready for better comics in the future yeah it makes you wonder how much effort, because issue one was a double, wasn't it? Yeah. Is issue one a double? Yeah, issue one was a uh, giant size, yeah. yeah it um, makes you wonder how much they put into that, and this might have suffered on the back of it. Uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, issue one starts off with lots of great drawing and, and gets sparer towards the end. So, is that true? I'm just double-checking. No, let's not worry about that. Let's just assume that I'm correct, even though I'm probably wrong. <laughs> 
I um, think you're right. I trust thanks. you. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Puck's the best character. Um, okay, so that, that's the end of that bit. And then we get this bit with um, the, the, the origins of, of, yeah, of Vindicator. Um, so, what happens here? He... It he starts off with him shouting... robot that yeah. somehow turns into a suit that is skin tight. I mean... There is that. I also think that... So, that he, he creates... As part of his work with AMCAN, which I assume is American Canadian Petroleum Company, <laughs> he creates a mining robot, an exploration and mining robot, which is massive and looks really cool compared to the actual Vindicator suit, in my opinion. And looks quite a lot like a Hulkbuster Mark 0.5. Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, it does look. It, yeah, it's a big mech robot isn't it like exoskeleton um but so he makes this for the for amcan to do exploration and then jerry jackson son of a bitch <laughs> sells it to the u.s army sorry can i just interrupt that noise you can hear might be my daughter's hamster having a drink so sorry it, about so- it sounds like you're typing it's fine no uh, all right it's not his hamster <laughs> okay I'll remember that next time I'm on a conference call and <laughs> pretending that I'm taking notes I'll just put a hamster drinking some water next to the mic yeah. uh, um, so Jerry Jackson sells the uh, James's work to the American government uh, and he gets hacked off because he wa- he's not into armies um, even though he's as... working for a petroleum corporation okay well, everyone knows petroleum. <laughs> yeah I know petroleum Organization uh, companies are the the world's goodies. Um, the so he storms out of the office on his way past Heather Hudson, who he has never paid any attention to before, says that she's quitting out of um, loyalty to him. Solidarity. Like, yeah, and he's just like, I, uh, what? Okay, good on you. Uh, bye. <laughs> uh, and she offers and then she, to. And she, then she does that. That female power move from the 80s she she offers to cook him dinner as yeah. a wife trying to curry his affections yeah she offers to fix him a famous lasagna famous lasagna not just any lasagna gary a yeah. famous lasagna and if he was garfield he'd have been all over it but he's not he's very principled james hudson and he goes to cry over his drawing desk he does, um, and he's wearing plaid, and he has, like, a few days... Actually, he's Canadian. He has a few hours' growth on his chin. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very spruity, and he uses cuss words like bloody. Yep, he's, he's in his Spartan bachelor apartment. If this um, was Tony Stark, he would be surrounded by bottles. Well, we can. what can we see of his bachelor apartment? We can see he's got lots and lots of books. He's got some nice sliding doors and a balcony. Got sliding doors and balcony. <laughs> he's got it. Look, it doesn't look like a coffee table. It looks like one of those like big wooden things you wrap wires around. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, uh, that's on its side, and on top of that, it looks like an ashtray. Yeah, I'm guessing everyone smoked. It was the eighties. I would have thought so. But yeah, so he's he's got uh, a drawing desk with a set square and stuff. Uh, it looks like a good desk. I wish I had one. He's got um, a, that's a lovely standard lamp as well. Yeah. And then he gets hacked off at his desk. And he's like, oh, uh, what's he say? 
Now, he says that he spent years making his uh, suit for increased efficiency and exploration. Now the military will use it to blow the blazes out of Southeast Asia. Um, and he's so pissed off, he'll bloody well see to fixing it. And then he puts on a cool hat. <laughs> and, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good hat. Um, and he drives over to Amcan. Uh, the security guard just lets him in, even though I presume he's quit. He should have had his security clearance taken off him. And he... Uh, so the the robot has been put into a big wooden box, which he breaks into using uh, a crowbar. That's not important. I don't know why I decided to point that out. Um, he puts on the suit, uses the suit to bury, like dig down into the basement, into the vault, goes into the vault, burns up the blueprints for the suit, then flies off, leaves the suit on a mountainside because he's not interested in it, but he takes the helmet, which is where all the controls are held. Uh, and that's it. That was it. the bit that got me, just leaving it in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just steal the helmet? Because he couldn't have escaped with it. But, I mean, why leave it in the middle of nowhere? It's just nonsensical. <laughs> actually, that's a, actually, that's a pretty good point. But he leaves it where it can be easily found, doesn't he? How how did he get from where he left it back? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> and, there's a second part that maybe I didn't read, so maybe uh, that's an exciting conclusion. Maybe it's so, just on a really long taxi ride. Let me just skip forward a bit. Past the frankly lovely art of issue three, in some cases. Uh, and what happens in the next bit? So we've covered this in the podcast before, so I'm just doing spoilers for previous episodes. Um, he is... He go, oh, yeah. So we go back to his apartment in the next part, which is called Purpose. It is one of those wire things he's using as a coffee table. One of those big cable yeah. things. And on that, he's got his helmet and some crisps. And he's having a drink. And then Heather comes around and starts tidying up because she's a lady. That's what they do. No, and if she's a child, Gareth. Let's get this right. She's she a 16-year-old lady. Yeah, she's a child. <laughs> and um, then, I don't know, there's lots of dialogue that happens. And somebody comes up with... Oh, then then Gary Cody comes and says, come and be a superhero. We'll help you fix your thing. Uh, and that's when he gets all his cybernetics made. And um, so, yeah, so it, he, he's not very happy about the army having it, but the government is fine. As though they're like two completely different entities. Uh, correct. Uh, he doesn't want the American army to have it because they're warmongers, whereas the Canadian oh, army okay, yeah. Canadian stand army. on guard. Yeah, their army just like they, they don't hurt anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to feel threatened by a government who, within like five years of setting up a secret superhero agency, hasn't got the money to afford it <laughs> and closes it down. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the issue. Um, he leaves the suit. And, and it's a shame because I do like this, the, the preliminary. And it is sort of like the, the Iron Man, the, the grey suit, the sort of cobbled together metal, iron, like actual iron suit. It's reminiscent of that, isn't it? Yeah. It's like um, an exoskeleton, basically. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yeah. How that, like I said, how that 
evolved to what is basically a lycra cat suit. I don't know, but... Um, no, something to do with science and scientists. Yeah, science. He scienced it. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, what does it say? So... Uh, oh God, I can't make sense of it. There's too, there's too much dialogue for me to make sense of while I'm, I'm trying to hold the conversation. Something to do with being inspired by the Fantastic Four. Okay. Because they're just, superheroes. Okay. Right. So he reads in the paper about Reed Richards coming back from Mars. Uh, not Mars, the moon, with, with superpowers. And then that's when he decided that he had a purpose, and that purpose was to... Uh, spend six years on the ultimate project, which was the the, the Vindicator suit. So he spent I mean, six it, years refining the design. His motivation does scan quite well. I mean, he he started off with I've made this superior technology. I'm not going to let the military have it, and it eventually evolves to I can only trust myself to use it. I think that's quite yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then when I die, my my strangely young wife can just take over i trust her enough um well so she's 16 when they start so she's uh 20, years. 20 yeah. 24 when he creates so she's probably 26 28 by the time she starts right a strangely wearing. young wife in comparison to me then is what yeah, oh god it's sad isn't it like, i mean if she's 16 when he's a successful scientist working for the military he's got to be He's, he's got to be late 20s, early 30s, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I think when we read him in like Alpha Flight, he's probably at the least late 30s. At the least. Yeah. Um, but it's probably best not to think about it. Well, I feel like I've thought about it quite a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like earlier, I was watching uh, like on YouTube, I was just like watching a band I like. And that is like a live performance from 1994. So I was watching it, and then I was suddenly like, I am now older than they were when they recorded this. But, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. quite old now. <sighs> but it's okay. I'll stay young by doing podcasts about comics from the 80s. Okay. That'll keep, that'll keep me young. Okay. <laughs> so, um... I'm not sure you've quite got the idea of this like vampirism thing. I'm not sure if it works like that. (laughs) What? Well, (laughs) it's more ethical than murdering people. I tried that and got told off. You don't. You don't. Vampires don't murder people. The way I did it. The way I did it. Oh, uh, it always comes to this. Whenever I'm on a podcast, there's always a slight moment where I'm thinking, I'm going to be reliving this in court one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just sat and, and, and like, an attorney's like, do you recognise the people on the tape? It's like, yeah. yes, I'm listening to Gareth say he was a vampire and yeah. he murders. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that says about the people that I do record podcasts with, but... <laughs> Um, comics fans never trust them. Yeah. Um, right. So, was there anything? We've I think we've covered this comprehensively enough. Was there anything that you partic- particularly really liked in this issue, or particularly uh, yeah. really disliked? Oh, we, we've covered the rendering of Baby Marina. 
Uh, yeah, that's absolutely that was the most egregious thing. Uh, the cover, I think. I mean, yeah, you the cover sort of. If he was really pushed for time, maybe he did the cover first and thought, right, I'll, I'll just I'll just sort of trim around the edges of that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the cover sells it. The rest of it is just padding. Um. No, I'm, I mean I liked it. I, I I can see what you're saying about the possible approach to it, but I, I guess um, it's possible that I haven't read enough comics from that sort of era to single it out as sort of under-rendered or sort of dashed out or anything like that. And I, I can't really compare it to comics from that period. But, well, because like, if you've... Uh, what else? Nine eighty three. So I think Claremont was still on X-Men. Uh, we, we're talking about that sort of period um, where stuff was just packed into comics like things happening and characters having the thoughts and stuff it was just like but it's not fair for me to compare it to all comics because I'm, I'm no expert uh i'm not even an expert on I mean, alpha flight the the machinations of making comics hasn't really changed a lot now has it people are still under extreme time pressure people are still yeah. people still have a timely style and their preferred style do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's i'm not sure how much has changed or what i guess the level of rendering has changed or maybe they've just brought more people into the process to to, to to facilitate it but certainly the expectations of what a comic looks like have changed over the years um i think a superhero book nowadays there's uh, and you sort of uh, there's a good example recently I can't remember where I was where I saw it was like the rendering of boots. So in a in a golden age or silver age or the, like a, boots were like pirate style boots where you could just get away with having an amorphous shape with a curl over the top and that was that was a decent boot. Whereas now you've got to show all the laces, you've got to show the holes for where the laces have gone through, you've got to show the stitches and stuff like that and. There's just different expectations of what good art is in a comic now, I think. And that's just as broad, it's not um, defined. But um, I think there is that. Uh, what's it? Who did the Ultimates? What's his name? Oh, um, Ryan Otley. No. Not, not the uh, I mean, the, the Mark Miller one, the, the oh, original one, where it's sort no. of photorealistic-y. Um, I'll never be able to remember his name, but I think he heralded in some of that style, where everything's got to be a bit more realistic. And uh, and I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying that's that's the that seems to be the current trend at the moment. But you've also got like outliers like um, Brian the other, Hitch. Brian Hitch. That's what I'm thinking of. You've I didn't Google the, that. It just came to me. That's good. That's that's good. <laughs> that's about um, as believable as you talking about something earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine you just like gone into a trance and your all the the lights in your room flicker slightly, and then it pops into your brain. Yeah, um, you've got the other. Hold on, the hamster's out again. <laughs> no, that's not me googling. It's the hamster. Because <laughs> um, you've got the other side of it, which is the other Marvel style, which is sort of the Erica Henderson, very cartoony dynamic style as well. Mm. So, um, you, you get away with the book like this now. I bet there is a. I bet there is a retro audience. I'm quite surprised there isn't retro lines where they're still sort of making bronze and silver age comics. 
Yeah. Um, and can you imagine how there there must be a market for it? The way people moan about comics. Could you imagine if Marvel put out a line of Bronze Age comics with the same sort of stories telling, with that level of art, but they were new? I bet people would eat it up. They might do. It's, oh, you never know what people are going to buy because didn't they try that with X Men and did X Men '92 and try to recreate what X Men were like when they were? If, if you were going to do that, why would the hell would you choose the '90s? I almost really swore then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, but, but they they tried that then. Whether or not they do it now, I don't know. Um, yeah, I. Uh, do I read enough comics to be an authority on stuff like no, this? No, I don't I do. either, really. No. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right that the, the the expected standard has gone has gone above and beyond what is needed for the narrative. I think you think of the amount of time that is spent rendering a page against the amount of time spent reading it. Mm. That's, oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. why comics are so expensive now because you have to buy into the fact that you're buying an artist's time. You're buying a piece of art rather than a piece of literature, almost, or a piece of entertainment. Because the the amount of time it takes to just just that disparity between how long it takes to make and how long it takes to read is something that surely that's got to be clawed back at some point. Yeah. Surely the creative time and effort has to be has to come back to lower the price again of the object, you know? I yeah, and I'm with you on that. Because when you when you price a comment a comic, sorry, you're pricing it for how long that reader's gonna spend with it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean I, I, I bulk at paying more than two quid for an ebook that's gonna last me like mm. a, a week's worth of reading entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know? Um but, but mostly yeah. that's because I'm tight, but <laughs> I, I get a lot more time of entertainment out of a prose book than I ever would a comic mm. but um, I still have it in my head that that's that's why I've never quite gone fully digital with comics because I have to have it in print to justify the price I have to have it as an object yeah I can see that I, I've got all sorts of weird reasons for not going digital on comics but um, uh, what was I going to say uh, but yeah, but for instance, prints, a print of a print of a comic page would. I meant purple rain. <laughs> no. So P R I N T S. Yes. Um, they sell for more than comics do, even though arguably they've 24 times less effort went into making them. Um, because there's the idea that you'd spend more time with it somehow than you would with the comic. Um. Yeah, again, it's that perception of people buy a print because they're buying art, whereas people don't see the comic book as a piece of art, which it obviously is. It it drills back down to why cover artists get get paid more than sequentials. It's ridiculous. Mm. There there Mm. is more time and artistry in making a successfully narrative sequential page than there is a a cover. I'm not disparaging that there is a skill in making a very good cover. And the reason that it is a prized skill and rewarded more is because that's what makes the money. That's what makes someone pick it off a mm. shelf. And it's just, it's all sort of ass yeah. about face. It really is. It's just, it is a weird disparity in it. So, I mean, I spent two years on and off making the Intercostal extension and I made more money 
from selling three drawings that I did. <laughs> then and I didn't spend that long on the drawings. So it's it is weird. Um, yeah. Uh, you made com- money from selling it, like a comics, right? No, I said I made more money. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm, uh, it's going to be years before I pay off bloody extension. That was a weird little project. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's not talk about extension. Um, <laughs> I didn't bring it up, to be fair. <laughs> no, I know I did. But I almost started ranting about my own stupid comic, even though I really like it. I just—I'm happy to indulge fully... that once you've started recording. I'm quite—I'm quite into listening to that. I can fully appreciate why my labour of love absolutely is unattractive to anybody <laughs> who I might want to buy it. Uh, anyway, I think we've we've talked for a little bit now. I think it's time to wrap up the podcast recording. Ken. Uh, Barry, can I stop you there and just say what an excellent job you did of keeping on format, which was the byword for this 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 little um, experiment. I thought it was very good. Thanks. Um, and what uh, we've also done, this was supposed to be the unedited podcast as well, and that's gone really badly. Um, but uh, where were? Excuse me. Uh, I was I was going about about to ask you where people can find you on the internet if they want to and if you've got anything that people could buy i've always got things people can buy um you can find everything i work on at kenreynolds.co.uk there is my webcomic which is posting a page a week at the moment hopefully if i can keep the schedule in travel which is about pregnancy and the end of the world there is an issue and four pages up at the moment today all free to read um in the next few months, hopefully, there'll be another Cognition Kickstarter. We're heading towards the trade collection. Um, and, I've, yeah, you can get the single issues of Cognition. I'm not sure if you can buy the print issues of Sliced at the minute. But you can read the first two volumes on the Comic House app. And there's all 12 issues free to read at Slice.co.uk. Um, and you can buy my graphic design comic book collection through the website somewhere. Is that enough billing? <laughs> Is there anything else? <laughs> um, that that covers it. Um, if anybody would like, uh, where are you? What are you on Twitter? Um, Reynolds Kr20, I think. So you can, yeah. Um, and uh, I suppose this is the sort of point where I would. Be expected to say i'll put in the show notes but um no, I bother. Notes, what, so. what have you got for sale gareth well if you go to the good comics website you can buy my abstract autobiography petrichor uh, which deals with uh grief and sadness and hope and love uh it's really good david Hines said so and he made the bulletproof coffin um it is really good and you need to be able to sell it better than that <laughs> because yeah it, it is really good and it's unlike anything that you will read anywhere else by anyone else so it's very much worth going to look at and take in and then reread and you can pretty much do that for infinity and get something new from it so yes go and buy that 
Yeah, well, because um, David, when he, um, I, I sent him a copy and said, can you give me a quote for this, if you don't mind, that'd be really nice if you could. Uh, and it, it was about a week later, I said, have, have you had a chance to go up there? And he said it was on his third reread and he was reading it backwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was which uh, an, unexpected, but nice to hear. Yeah, I know um, you, I know you sat there and went, oh, he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Petricor. That's currently available from Good Comics. Um, you can also buy comics from me, such as The Intercourse Extension, which is a haunted comic, uh, which also deals with the Enfield poltergeist in abstract terms. Um, you can buy that from my gerthink.bigcartel.com. You can also buy copies of 683 and uh, like a PDF collection of older zines. That's all on there. Um, and on Twitter, I am G-R-T-H-I-N-K Gerthink. And also Instagram. I'm not working on any comics at the moment. I'm working on other stuff. I oh, know I'm, I'm working on a comic which I can't talk about. And I'm also doing preparing for the next Youngblood Initiative Showcase, which will be happening in July in London in a place I can't remember. But uh, I will share more details when I can remember them. Thank you, Ken, for um, coming on this trip down Alpha Flight number two. Um, I don't know if anybody's expressed reading a comment, comment like that before, but I appreciate your input. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me back. I've had many returns. Um, who has returned? Doug Noble returned. And um, who else? I'm sure somebody else did as well. Oh, Claire Napier. We tried to return Claire Napier, but it didn't record properly. Um, so, which was getting because she was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you saying? No, you're really good as well. It's just a shame that hers didn't work because she was really good. It's, mm. um, yeah, so you're saying there won't be a third yeah. time. Okay, Gareth, fine. <laughs> well, I'll get you to read a more a, a more recent Alpha Flight, which is which is much much worse than than <laughs> this. This is very good comparatively. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. Uh, this is the point at which, in the podcast, I would start playing the Canadian National Anthem to drown myself out. Um, I would quite like you to sing it. I'm trying to remember how it goes. I use sing really loosely. Because there's the leading bit which goes, and then it goes, Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for the... Yeah, but I can't remember the verse which come before that. So I will just leave it there. I'll just cut it off, just like dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. <laughs>